can I get a heat check? Which essentially, you know, culturally is like, can you confirm whether or not what I'm saying is cool is cool, right? I'm saying something is cool, but I want everybody else to really like confirm that. Otherwise, it's not really, it's not hot. Like if nobody else is thinking it. Um, and so I, I told them, I said, to do this, hit me with a flame emoji in the chat if you think this is dope. And people started doing that. After a while, then they would send me other gifs of anything flame related. Then it got, then it got so crazy. They deep faked my face on the the character uh, from Wanted, the main character. Like I think it's the one of the beginning scenes where he's really hot, right before he knocks the guy out with the keyboard. Like he has this paper and he's like fanning himself because he's sweating. They deep faked my face my face onto that. They they deep faked my face onto the Human Torch, and they deep faked me onto Keanu Reeves. Welcome to episode three of NFT Cast. I am excited you are here and joining us. You know, in every ecosystem, there are people that drive things forward, that tirelessly work to make things work. And my guest today, Sirsu, is one of those people. He's out every day educating, advocating, and letting people know how to succeed in the NFT space. He's driving more artists, he's driving more sales, he's making things happen to make this ecosystem work better. I hope you get as much out of this episode as I did. Sirsu is a driven, passionate person, and you're going to see it when you listen to what he has to say. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the episode. Tell us about yourself. Tell us about where you're from, um, how you got into art, how long you've been into art, you know, how you, how you feel about what you are in art. Sick. Yeah, man. Um, so my name is Amir Suyeb Carter, a.k.a. Sirsu on the interwebs. And uh, I'm from Philly, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, nice. born and raised. Uh, you know, my folks are from New York. I currently live in Harlem, New York right now. Um I've been here for the past three years. I've moved around a lot as a kid growing up, which was good because it really helped me develop kind of like my viewpoint. As just, um, I've been drawing as soon as I could pick up a pencil. Nice. Uh, you know, I, I attribute a lot of my artistic exposure to my parents who just kind of was like, oh, you like to draw? Okay, cool. We're going to put you in an art program to like nice. further develop your talent. Oh, you, you want to really like, you know, pursue graphic design. Okay. We'll go to the library and we'll get you a bunch of like books on like web design. And I remember, uh, when MySpace was out, that was what, 2004. Oh man, that's a long time ago. That's a long time ago. That's a long time ago. Yeah. Um, I remember charging people like 10 to 15 bucks to customize like their web pages. Nice. (laughs) And I would say, I would say, if you really liked it, put me on your top eight. So then people... Other people could be like, oh, who made your site? And then I'm already there. You could just be like, well, he's in my top eight. So like click on him. And then I had like a whole little thing where I was like, you know, I'll, I'll like customize your site. How old were um, you then? I was trying to do the math earlier. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Seven, 17 seven, years seven, ago. Shit. Oh, yeah. I was I was 10. Wow. So you were already yeah. learning the business of art then, the marketing of art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My 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 parents were like, "Look, if you're gonna do something," uh, and it's I remember this because when I turned ten, I wanted, or right before I turned ten, I told my parents I wanted to get a video camera because at the same time I I loved film. I mean, I still do, and nice. I was a child actor. I was doing a lot of like print work and some voiceovers and stuff. Wow, so, you know, might have some old Pokemon clips. Might hear my voice in there as a kid. That's so um, cool. And, uh, but yeah, so they were like, they were like, okay, so you want a video camera? And I was like, yeah, I want this really cool one at the time. It had like the tapes and everything. It's not at all what it is now. Right. Um, which, you know, pocket, pocket, uh, films right here. Yeah. Um, I had the big old handheld, uh, and they were like, so, you know, to do this, you're going to have to, we want to teach you kind of like how to raise money to buy these things. 
So I'm like, okay. Because they were like, if we just buy it for you, it's not like you don't take care of things, but there's something about when you own something, when you've put your own money and purchased something that like there's a special care and attachment to it that you have because you put up your own, you know, funds for it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I remember selling my art for the first time. I would like, I would go to like the, the store or like a flea market and find frames. I would like repurpose the frames, um, find a new like glass sheet and then and have like a, a eight by 11 or five by seven or whatever the size of the frame was and make a custom art piece. And then I would go to my dad's job and then I would like sell these <laughs> to all the people who work there. Love it. Um, yeah. So I raised like four or 500 bucks. My parents matched me another 500 to buy this video camera. And so from there I was like, okay, okay, this is, this is doable. I can, I can sell my art and like get things. So I'm like, okay, well, what else? It's cool that I would want to get into, and I read about um, MySpace, and I was like, I gotta get into that. And so I asked my parents, I said, Can we go to the library? I need to get a book on coding. They gave me this book. I forget what it's called. I forget what it was called, but it was like a, it was like a, uh, I think a brand at the time was trying to compete with, with the wig editor that you could code out of, and I used that. It was purple. I forget the name of it. it started with an N or something. I think I, I probably even still have the old book in my parents' house. Nice. Um, and so, yeah, I, I went through all the tutorials. And then I I was like, you know, can I customize MySpace? And they had a guide. It was like, yeah, here's how you could do it. And I was like, oh, okay. So the first thing I did was like, I'm going to put a song um, in my profile and had like a little player. And that's what I used to like tell other people, be like, yo, like, they're like, how do you have music on your uh, profile? I'm like, I could tell you $15. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I, I got I got into the to the business and stuff early. Um, and I'm I'm grateful my folks kind of really anytime they saw me doing something I liked, they wanted to find a way to to push that. Um, so I, I'm I'm grateful because I don't I don't know what everybody else's living situation was like, um, but I wished that like, you know, people from everywhere had that type of encouragement. Yeah, I was about um, to say because your 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 parents did the opposite, I think, of what a lot of parents of creative people do because they're terrified their kids aren't going to earn a living being an artist. And your parents were like, "Okay, if this is what you love, I'm gonna I'm we're gonna make sure you can survive at it," but we're going to encourage you. That's, um, I think that's a real rarity, right. man. No, absolutely. I mean, that's what I think for me, that's why I like being in creativity and finding a way to foster it was like so natural. It became so natural to me that I could find a way to leverage my creative talent to do what I wanted and to move around. And I think it just naturally led to my progression to become a designer. Um, you know, both like freelance commercially and then just kind of like for my own personal edification uh, because it was sort of like, all right, being an illustrator is cool, but I don't want to be known for illustration. I want to sort of push the boundary, especially after being, you know, into MySpace a lot. I was like, well, there should be something that I can do that's really, really cool. Um, and I found design and started like really doing that in high school. And I was, I would uh, freelance while I wasn't doing coursework. Uh, and then that just led me into art school and kind of just did the whole gamut from there. But yeah, I I think if instead of, I think what my parents did was like, we don't know if the creative career or being an artist is going to actually pay dividends for everybody. But the worst thing that we could do is tell tell him that like he shouldn't do this thing that he loves. So like, how do we help him figure that out? Right. That he like he could do this, right? Um, and so that's I think also too the reason why I'm in the space that I'm in in crypto is because I think I embody a whole lot of that as well. That if I have the encouragement to to push forth my creative career, then I should be able to do the same and instill those same principles to to other people that I meet. Yeah. Um, you know, hence the Mint Fund and a few other things that I'm working on. That's um, 
I, I love the background. I love what your parents did. And, and I'm, I hope more parents will do things like that because I, I think we miss out probably on a lot of talent that's working in a boring office job um, because their parents told them they had to to survive, you know, so that's that's right. great to hear. Do you consider yourself on the art side? Are, um, do, are you primarily digital or are you also still doing pen to paper or painting or whatever else you as you do? Uh, I'm definitely more digital more recently over the past like decade <clears throat> than I have been uh, more traditional. I do plan on doing a lot more traditional stuff at some point soon once I'm kind of once all this other stuff is balanced. <laughs> What's the 400 other jobs you have? Yeah. 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 Once I kind of can like turn those into like four, four things, it's like the 400, <laughs> I'd be good. That's good. Uh, <laughs> That's good. But <laughs> But yeah, um, I, I'm I'm primarily digital, and uh, I, but I, I do really really enjoy it. And so what I what I try to do is I'll I may start with an underdrawing, like I'll thumbnail a sketch of like an idea, and I'll be like, okay, this is kind of what I want to make digitally. And because I don't really operate in 3D, I know my way around it, but I'm not a modeler. Right. Um, and I if I use 3D, it's mainly to accentuate something more so than it is to be the focal point. Right. Um, and so I'll leverage a lot of photography and collaging uh, and sort of just like um, geometric shape uh, to create the work that I make. Um, and typically the photography is pretty easy because it's self-portraits. A lot of my, a lot of my like really big work is, is self-portraits or nice. some sort of facial motifs um that are very uh i guess kind of like android in nature um but yeah i i, I really do love making digital work illustrator is my best friend uh, <laughs> put a lot of air miles on that um but yeah it's I, I i i like how i'm able to really simulate a lot of things in the real world just using just digital tools um especially after I take a lot of my line work from Illustrator and put it into Photoshop, then I'm definitely imbuing it with, with noise, grain, um, and some, some bit of a blur a little bit. But, but normally the idea is to usually instill this concept of emotion, this concept of nostalgia, a combination of the two, um, or something that's completely like, otherworldly and ethereal. Uh, those are usually the, the the thematic structures I try to hit with the work that I make. Um, and I, I find that it's very, uh, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great way for me to leverage my digital stuff um, than it would be if I were to try to do it. Like traditionally, I'm a lot more frenetic and um, it's a completely different style entirely, which is cool. But I, I I love the cleanliness of the design of the digital work that I make, uh, especially as it relates to my principles as a designer when I was designing products and websites and mobile applications. So there's like a huge there's a there's a big like uh, meshing of between like my digital two. between the two things. Yeah, That's but great. traditional work is like completely outside of it. I'm just like I'm just gonna like throw paint on a canvas and then like i don't know use like a water bottle to like as my brush and make something random like nice. that's usually how that works nice are you still doing uh design work for apps and websites that kind of stuff yeah um so my day job when i'm not doing anything in the crypto world uh i'm a senior user experience designer at transperfect oh and uh so you have a full-time gig on top of the project oh yeah oh, oh yeah man. um yeah so I work for their translation company. They're pretty cool. Like I, I definitely make some really cool like um, web apps for linguists to help them translate like documents for, I guess, people of interest or whatever, or different clients, whoever needs translation. I, I feel like it's just, it's like a, it's one of those things where like, if I wanted to, to, to really have a job that would, I could, you didn't have to leave. Like this would be one of them. Cause translation is just always a, challenge trying to figure out how to like get 
all these human components through one particular app interface to translate stuff in a way that's super accurate and to context to everyone else. And I like that problem because it sort of feels similar to the education issue of getting people from what we currently think of the digital landscape into the crypto universe right. uh, and to Web3 and kind of like all of the onboarding it takes in the mental like shifting to get people to say, okay, uh, I'm going from one state to another. And in, and in language, it's sort of the same thing where I'm going from, you know, one train of thought, one set of customs, one culture, and translating it into a completely different culture with a completely different set of customs, even if they're somewhat similar. Um, and their lingo, the context, how they speak about things, how they make their sentence structure, all of it's completely different. And crypto wow. sort of the same thing. So I love how there's like a- That's cool. Uh, 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 a colloquial uh, between the two things, at least in my in my opinion. That's great. Were were um were you into crypto before NFT? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm one of those stories of being a teen and having block uh, having Bitcoin and then nice. lost my wallet. Oh, so definitely pain point there. Uh, if I did, if I had my Bitcoin wallet, I would not even be working. <laughs> oh man, that's brutal. I, I I I think the cosmic universe was like. It's okay. You have to. Um, but uh, and then after, like after that, 2017, I was working for a startup at the time, and I had a side gig doing marketing for Celsius. Oh wow! Um, yeah, I had met that. I met that crew uh, during uh, these blockchain meetups because 2017, like stuff was moving up, and I was curious. I was like why is this getting value? Like, why is this moving a lot? And so I just really wanted to figure out what that landscape was and why people were really interested in blockchain. And of course it was still like largely suited in decentralized finance, but that was enough for me to say, there's something here. And I wonder if it has anything to do with art, but I never made the actual, like, I never had the impetus to search it. Right. I was still enthralled in all of the decentralized finance and it was a lot to take in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it never ends. Right. And so then 2018 rolls around, get the huge ICO boom and then it crashes shortly thereafter. Uh, and I'm like, this is not a fluke. It's like, it's like it, it crashed for reasons for legitimate reasons because people were definitely bad actors, but this is not going to go anywhere. So I'm going to keep tabs on it. I'm not going to do anything right now, but I'm going to keep tabs on it. Uh, 2019, I was, I didn't have a job. I had quit my startup. Um, I was freelancing for a little bit, but I wanted, I was like, I have time now. So let me go back Check into this Bitcoin thing. Yep. And I went to Consensus and they had this Beyond Blockchain Relay, uh, which was like a, a hackathon i think that was a month long or something to that effect and at the same time i was also applying for an artist residence in japan uh for to stay there for a month to to start doing art again because I, I hadn't done art in a while okay um and so i end up getting the artist residence and i didn't hear i and i submitted my uh, beyond blockchain relay uh, hackathon piece. You had to either do finance, healthcare, or I think journalism. I was interested in journalism, but I didn't know the landscape of that world too well. So, so, and I wasn't interested too much in researching a lot of the pain points. And then finance, I was like, I understand finance, but I'm not really sure how I could build a useful tool. But I did know healthcare because I had worked in healthcare at in um in Nashville before I moved back to New York City. Uh, I was a senior designer there. I knew pretty much the landscape of why everything works the way that it does and why it sucks. And so I was like, okay, this is my biggest shot to actually do something cool. So I built like this um uh this decentralized ID system for for patients. And I also built like a token a, a tokenomic model that allowed patients to kind of like give access give access 
to their medical data to researchers in exchange for uh, this token that they could use to pay for their insurance, their co-pays, whatever. Wow. Um, yeah, it was a really cool thing. Uh, and then I got second place for that nice. while I was in Japan. So they gave me some ETH and I was like, oh, nice. Okay, great. I can actually stay in Japan because I didn't really have money when I was there. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely starving artist. Wait, so you got um, the artist residence in Japan at this, after you had done the, at the same time. hackathon? Oh, at the same time as the hackathon. Now, were you, did actually, you code this thing or were you working with people? I, I had done it solo and then I had tried to recruit some people to code it afterwards. Um, because I was like, well, this could actually be a thing. The problem was, I think I was already so burnt out from my previous startup. I really didn't have it in me to kind of like do the whole thing. Right. I wrote a whole case study. I put it all out. It's like publicly accessible on my, on my, um, and like the, the, the pitch and the source material, everything that I did to build at least a prototype of it, um, without having a lot of the web three, like wallet integrations or whatever all that is open source on my github so like anybody could take this thing and kind of like run with it if they wanted to um but uh it did leave a lasting impression that okay i've gotten to the point to where not only do i understand sort of how blockchains do work somewhat of a theoretical idea as to what i could build and an interesting idea on how tokenomics works this is going to be useful i just don't know when but i'm going to sit on this for a while 2020 comes uh you now with my girlfriend we're in portland and you did move around a lot yeah yeah <laughs> I, i'm everywhere um and i'm look we're look i'm, I'm like we're driving around and i'm looking at crypto kitties and for some reason i wanted to just buy one I'm like, I've seen them. I know, I knew about them since 2017, but I was like, ah, oh, it looks kind of cool. It's like Neopets. I did like Neopets, but I'm also like, ah, I don't want to figure this out yet. 2020, I'm looking at Crypto Kitties again, and I'm like, oh my god, they're dumb expensive now. Holy shit, I should've <laughs> got this before. So that, so then I'm like, damn, damn I want to build one of these. How do I build one of these? And then I went through their docs. They're like ERC-721 tokens, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, it's a whole whole thing over here. And in the summer, my friend Leighton hit me up and he said, dude, I'm selling my Instagram filters on the blockchain. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, man. I got, I got these NFTs. And I'm like, what are you talking about? NFTs, bro. He's like, here, just dude, I'm just going to send you the link. So he sends me the link to his wearable. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, Sure enough, there he is selling his Instagram filter on the blockchain. I'm like, this is fucking cool. Yeah. Oh, this is it. This is duh. This is it's it. So I just started going off. I I called him. I'm like, man, yo, this is. Do you know what we're doing right now? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, yo, this is like creative immortality in a sense. Like, nice. What we make here, like, can stay forever. Oh, this is scary, but it's fun. Like, this is a really dope challenge. What? What would we want to make that, you know, assuming, right, that this stuff lasts forever and outlives us, when people go back through these old blocks, what are they going to find? And if they're going to find our work, like, what would that say about us? That's super interesting to me. That's so cool. And so from there, I was like, okay, I've got to figure out how to do this, like how, how this whole thing works. So I dusted off my old MetaMask that I used for um, the hackathon, um, had some ETH from my Coinbase sent it over, and I'm like, all right, cool, cool, okay, this is this is good. We're gonna we're gonna do something here. Um, minted a couple pieces, started joining a lot of the discords, made a lot of good friends, um, and uh, I think it hit about November, and I got, you know. Uh, a couple other my homies involved and I started to really realize a couple things gas was increasing slowly yeah and I'm like oh it's it, this is hurting a little bit um I also realized that curation is not really apparent on platforms it's like search is not necessarily the best um category 
is very hard to do, especially when crypto is in many ways counterculture to traditional art establishment. So not many artists are not necessarily going to be using terms like expressionism or impressionism or cubism, so on and so forth, unless they're an artist that studied right. and has been a professional artist in that context and brings it in here. But by and large, unless you're aware of their references or influences, no one really is going to know. Right. Um, and so it's been a lot of kind of, it's been a lot of the, I like this. It looks good. It moves. I want, therefore I'm going to buy it, which is great. That's a really dope audience. And I think like that should always be, you know, we don't have to always intellectualize art to enjoy art, to buy art. Um, however, I think what ends up happening is because we don't have some of these other discussions, you know, we're not really, those things aren't being pushed out in the forefront. So when people look at from when they're on the outside looking in and they're only seeing the, I love it because it it's cool type of thing, but they can't tell these people why they actually like the work um, or why this work has any meaning or merit. Um, then folks look at this as a fad. They look at this space as like, it's a bubble and it's going to burst and nobody's going to care in five years and everyone's going to lose out money. Um, instead of it really being a place where equity inclusion and wealth redistribution can happen at scale at any given point in time um and the fact that it just so happens that art uh is being a really great catalyst for people to be like interested in blockchain technology as a whole and crypto as a whole and it could be a, a really good entry point to say now that you've purchased art let me introduce you to the world of DeFi. Let me yep. introduce you to the world of decentralized like real estate or whatever else is available here. It's a whole world, the whole universe, all on its own. I often um, say NFT is the gateway drug to crypto. So Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, but because we're not having, you know, folks like you, for example, really out publicly, and people are looking at that and saying, ah, this is actually I do understand and see why this would make sense. Um, we're getting a lot of the, the, the other commentary. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this, uh, well, this I think, sick, man. yeah, I think, look, I think that, um, you hit, I think you hit the nail right when you said, you know, um, the message needs to be about inclusion and equity and, um, and distribution of wealth, because I think that's what it does. I mean, one of the things that gets me most excited about NFTs having, I am not an artist, but having so many friends in my life that are artists and watching them struggle so much, the empowerment of, and the freedom that comes with this to me is the most important thing because it, it takes all of that struggle when, when it gets to where it needs to be. It takes all of that struggle out of it. Now there may be some artists that need to struggle, to create their art, but that's another story. But I think that right. I think that this can unleash an explosion of art. And and you know, one of the things I talk a lot about is is the fact that the some of the cities that grow the fastest are the ones that um, foster art along with things like tech. Because when those Absolutely. two things come together, creativity explodes, business explodes, income explodes, people you know, equality explodes. And I think that's. A really critical part of it. That's that's cool. Um, Absolutely. And look, I think there's going to be. I, look, I think there is going to be um, inflation of it and and a bubble, and there's going to be some dumps. It, but th that's what humans do in everything financial, right? We we blow right. it up, we get greedy, we we all take our cash or we don't take our cash, and we lose out, and then it builds from there. And that's exactly what's happened with every phase of crypto it's what happens with oil it's what happened with you know everything in the history of of man relevant to finance and it'll happen right. here too so i absolutely and the cool thing is the base that comes out of that is really strong right right so, you know and what i, I hope agree. is that we don't disillusion a lot of artists when, when that right. happens right because right. you don't want to discourage too many but I, I think that'll happen i i think i think it'll come around all right so yeah. you're out there right now I mean, we were talking about all the projects you have. Let's talk about um, 
Well, why don't you tell me kind of what you think right now on the projects you're working on that you think um, are the most important things that you're doing day in and day out? Where okay, so there's there's three right. I kind of there. It's like a building a moat. Um, you know, the first one is Mint Fund, which is an artist-run, artist-led community that's dedicated to the support of artists to help them mint their NFTs. Right. Um, this is not just covering the gas costs, but this is, of course, offering, uh, you know, AMAs for other artists in the space that are doing very well. Um, this is bringing in legal. This is bringing in uh, CPAs and money managers, so on and so forth. Because, again, going back to the, the comment about uh, uh, the bubble and it bursting, right, one of the key things to help artists not be disillusioned is to arm them with information. Right. And so if we can arm artists with information to say, hey, here's how you make your NFTs. Here's how you become begin to build your path of self-sovereignty as a creative. Uh, one of the other things you need to, 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 to know about is, of course, legal implications for what you're doing and financial implications for what you're doing. The more that you know about <clears throat> how to protect yourself when certain things happen around you, the better off you're going to be, even when we all take dings. Yeah. Right. Um, and so. That's one of the core things of, that we're trying to offer at Mint Fund is to is to really be an all inclusive uh, network. So, so you're any artist, yeah, you're but, incubating artists. Mm -hmm. Really, you're trying to arm them with all the tools they need to be successful at incubating into the NFT space. Is that a right. is that a, a a fund as in a for profit fund or is that a not for profit? Well, how does it structure of it? We sort of we're sort of in the middle. Right. Okay. So we're like we're like a 501B rather than a rather than a C. Right. Okay. So like we have a lot of non profit portions of ourselves. Right. Like it's a, it's it's by and large a philanthropic effort. However, we understand that building uh, true equity and sovereignty in this space for artists requires altruism. And to build a very good altruistic system, we want to be able to have something that's self-sustainable. So instead of us just always asking the community and the world to fund us, we want to be able to have our community build, you know, tools and commerce that can, that can power itself. Nice. Um, and one of the things that we've done is we've crowdsourced um, a permissionless auction method so that anybody could, could host an, um, an auction with their NFTs, whether it's through Zora or through any platform. So if you mint an NFT with the uh, source code that we've created, that's open source, we're encouraging developers to then take that and then say, with an open C, with an open C, or with a rare or with something else, how do you build a time to reserve auction? Um, and to like take that and just say and say, if I'm an artist and I have something on rareable, but I want to auction it instead of just doing a regular bid or buy structure, I can take the code that Mint Fund is doing, like wrap that in a web experience for myself and then say, I'm going to launch these cards, for example, these collectible cards at a timed auction interval or something to that effect. Right. Nice. Um, so, you know, so that's the, that's the first thing. The second thing is with this building um, auction methodology, I mean, an auction method within our own ecosystem. So artists that come through and mint with us can be able to auction with us. And then because we're auctioning for them, we're going to offer We're going to give artists the option to say, hey, uh, if you want to continue to see the Mint Fund support other artists, when if if you want to mint through us, you have an option of saying to give us up to 15 percent of your profit that you made that. so, That's great. so that we can put that back in. Right. Nice. Um, and so. And with that, they're going to be able to exchange that for Mint tokens. We're creating we're instituting an entire DAO structure that comes along with this. Uh, so we've got a lot of good plans uh, along the way, but ultimately uh, building a, a model which is self-sustaining that leverages decentralized finance um, in, a, in a very healthy way allows us to stay uh, sustainable without having to just always say, we're going to apply for grants and we need this. And it limits us a lot. Like nonprofits are extremely limiting in how you can navigate a particular space and how you deal with finances. Right. Um, but when we're sort of for profit, uh, or at least a, a social enterprise, uh, it gives us still a lot of the for profit tooling. We just do it in a in a frame in which is always suitable for the reinvestment into the community.
I love that. That's awesome. Who who did you who are you working with on that? I mean, are there some folks that that you know? Yeah. So it's it's myself. It's uh, Carlos Gomez from Forefront. Um, it's Jess Sloss from Seed Club. Um, it's uh, Jacob Horn from Zora. It's uh, Mikhail from Zora, and also uh, Samantha Ayerson from Foundation. Nice. That's the nice. that's the core team. So how do we get? Um, uh, how do we get more of the ecosystem involved with what you're doing, right? Is, is this something where you want to see projects contributing? You want to see projects that are out there um, uh, recruiting artists? What, what, what do you guys need from the community to help you grow this? Well, what's been amazing is that the community already has been doing some amazing things. They, they, like I've been getting DMs where people are saying, hey, I want to do a drop and I want to send a portion of that to mint fund and like nice. that's just been happening or artists have sold something and then they say hey i had some earnings i'm going to retroactively send some of this to the mint fund and like it's just been nuts that it's just nice it's been a, a snowball effect of people who are just wanting to give back and they have a platform that's available i.e us so that they could channel that energy into um our discord is growing we've got oh my goodness we've got a lot of people now um, <laughs> Uh, I'm about to go check one of our stats really quick. Um, yeah, so between our Discord and our Twitter, we've got you know roughly five thousand like members, like people nice. who are interested in what we're doing, right? Awesome. We could totally use someone in our Discord to be a community, a few in different time zones. I mean, we have people from literally everywhere, and so none of us are able to be completely available and ever present. But if we have really awesome uh, uh, folks who can mod our discord um, and help inspire and foster conversation when we're not, when we're not physically able to, cause I'll be asleep. Uh, <laughs> that would be amazing. That's um, awesome. That would be, that would be one of the really dope things that we can do. Another thing is I want to always make sure we have easy accessible resources so if there's any groups that are working on, you know, gathering resources on the newest technology around minting or around gas or around, um, you know, interesting uh, developments on platforms related to financial tools, right? Like not everyone lives in America, so I can I can speak very well on, you know, taxes and legal precedent and stuff happening here. But as it relates to the rest of the world, I would love to gather resources and more expertise in those areas so that I can give that to the folks in our community. Um, so any, so people who are who have been gathering really good resources and like can collaborate with us to uh, to distill that with our with our our folks, that would be amazing. Um, Where should they go to yeah. reach out to you guys about it? Uh, I mean, they could DM us directly at the Mint Fund on Twitter or DM me specifically at Sir Suhabe on Twitter. Um, they could also join our Discord and just kind of in the ideas and feedback channel. Uh, they could reach out to us there. Um, and then, of course, I can build anything related to, inf to resources. We do have a channel called Info. Uh, people could always slide some things down there, too. That would also be very, very helpful. Awesome. Okay, so that's that. That's that's number one. What's yes, number two? That's Midfund. Yes. Number two is Heat Token. Okay. Uh, it's it's a token I've been working on and figuring out the protocol tooling uh, for the past couple of months. It was rooted out of the space of saying curators are not really present in this space at a high level. How do we incentivize curators to connect artists to collectors and of course identify really cool art that's happening in the space in a very healthy cool way nothing that's related to twitter shill lists nothing that's related to kind of like um just blanket evangelism but how do we find a way to uh to create an authentic channel or an authentic uh, uh framework for curators to signal really awesome things happening in the space and so I figured out, or I thought, or my idea is, um, if we have a token uh, that can verify and, of course, authenticate things on chain, record actions on chain, 
that any time somebody is signaling something as dope, it's it's being recorded on the blockchain as such. And when the rest of the community and the culture, um, uh, you know, key in on this, they can also agree or disagree with that signaling, right? And so the idea started out of uh, I was a part of I'm a part of the art gallery auction house, um, hosted by uh, Daniel, who's an amazing, amazing person in the space. I think he has one of the best underground grassroots efforts and community development and and fostering. Uh, uh, you know, a really healthy artist secondary economy and even primary. And so what I did in that space in that telegram group was anytime something was dope, I'd ask, can I get a heat check? Which essentially, <laughs> you know, culturally is like, can you confirm whether or not what I'm saying is cool is cool, right? I'm saying something is cool, but I want everybody else to really like confirm that. Otherwise, it's not really, it's not hot. Like right. nobody else is thinking it. Um, and so I, I told them, I said, to do this, hit me with a flame emoji in the chat if you think this is dope. <laughs> and people started doing that. After a while, then they would send me other gifs of anything flame related. <laughs> then, it got, then it got so crazy, they deep faked my face on the, the character uh, from Wanted, the main character. Like I think it's the, one of the beginning scenes where he's really hot, right before he knocks the guy out with the keyboard. <laughs> He has this paper and he's like fanning himself because he's sweating. They deep faced my face, my face onto that. Oh my they, God. they deep faked my face onto the human torch and they deep faked me onto Keanu Reeves, which is oh, it's, man. It's, it's hilarious. Now I got to look those but up. Any, I'm going to send them to you. Okay. Um, and uh, actually, as a matter of fact, let me go on, let me go on the chat here and let me actually send you the website. Cool. Cause you can see one of them. If any, you can see two of them, if anything. You're gonna you're gonna lose it. It's hilarious. Awesome. You sending this in the DM? I sent this to you in the uh, uh, meet chat, Google Meet. Ah, duh. All right, got it. All right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. <laughs> It's it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Oh, so, that is awesome, man. Yeah. So so they started sharing that. It's kind of disturbing. It is a little bit, but you know what? I I I'm I'm in love with it. It's so I am funny. too. That's awesome. So because so anytime I would say heat check, they would just automatically start start spamming these um, like gifs in the chat, and so like anytime auctions like uh, were, would occur. They would, uh, they would say we need the heat check master. They would like try to, they would summon me with like these gyps, and I would appear in the Telegram group <laughs> to say hi. And then they would be like, "Oh, here he is!" And they'd like, they do all the fire emojis and they would spam everything in the chat. Um, but what I noticed was uh, for for certain for certain pieces, especially if I was also active in bidding, it would inspire other people to bid too, um, because. At this point, because I'd already signaled that I thought works were really cool, then in many ways, it was almost like if I were to signal that something is tight, then that would also mean that a bid war would happen. Yeah, yeah. You're, I, driving the, you're driving the interest and the people wanting it. That's, that's phenomenal. Exactly. And so and that led to some people getting some really cool sales, and I'm very excited that I, I was able to, cool. to, to help push that. Um, and then uh, from there, uh, I was like, okay, let me try this on Twitter. So on Twitter, I would just say we only push heat here. Um, and I would have like the, the dollar sign heat um, on Twitter. And then I would put, I would do a hashtag heat check or heat check me and just get a bunch of people to like uh, uh, signal and to retweet. And so what ended up happening was a couple of folks that, I was onboarding into the space because I had promoted their work. Uh, a couple of collectors were DMing me and were saying, hey, artists should pay you because I'm buying literally everything you're saying is cool. Oh, wow. And I'm like, damn, that's that's scary, but that's cool. And at the same time, I'm like, I don't want to take out of an artist's pocket. There should be a way for me as a curator oh, to yeah. earn without having to pull from From what the artist, artist is making. Yeah, sure. Um, and so the idea to come up with the token just made more sense where I'm like, okay, if I build an environment 
that allows curators uh, to accrue a a a social culture a sociocultural token, right? Um, that is a signaling really cool artists that is getting artists paid. Then by proxy through the blockchain, because I, you know, basically said something was hot, I gave heat to this other person. I'm recorded on chain to being somewhat of a, uh, 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 not necessarily the actual direct cause, but I am highly correlated with the sale of this particular artist's work because of the fact that the heat token is attached to that person's um, record on chain. That's um, a cool concept, man. Yeah, and so so that's the thing that I'm currently building out. And right now I've been working with uh, the team at Mintgate to do uh, their gate tokens, which is not exactly an ARC20 just yet, but it was a, it's a good way for me to do token disbursement without having to pay for gas right. so that I can assign, so that I can have uh, uh, artists um, in the space and, and curators in the space, us like heat check other art. I mean, heat check other artists so that they can assign heat to them. So then, and I can track this already. So when I turn it into an ERC twenty token, all of that, all of the the heat that's been shared and accrued over time will then be converted into these real tokens, and then we can open up to a much larger uh, 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 means of um, creating gated access. Of purchasing work with heat, of creating liquidity pools, of creating staking. One of the real ideas is that I want to have um, curators compete with other curators uh, with their own sort of like staking staking pools. So huh. if I'm a, so as a curator, I would have let's say like ten artists that I totally believe in and I think are going to like sell a good amount this month or this year or whatever. I could say, I. I'm going to create a, 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 a an artist list, a, cur a curated list. And another curator could say, well, I'm going to build mine. And another one can say, I'm going to build mine. And we're all essentially saying, I think that my list of artists is going to outperform your, your artist list. <laughs> and the goal would be to inspire everyone to basically try to push all of these artists because no matter who wins – if every curator's artist list gets activated and all of them at least get one sale, that's super successful for that month. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love the competition part. I think yes. that's just awesome. Yes. That's so very cool. That is currently in development right now. Got a really awesome team of, of three helping me out on this. Well, with all the projects, really. Um, so I'm, I'm forever grateful for, for my team at The Well. Well, ping um, me, ping me about that one too when you're when you're ready. I really want to see that in action. I can't wait. We'll do one of my uh, goals is when I get on Mirror, um, I'm going to do a uh, an article release on on Heat so that people can get access to it early. Cool. Uh, yeah. So we we're definitely on track to doing some crazy things with that. I'm super excited for it. All right. What's number three? And number three is basically the hub where all the action happens. Mint Fund and Heat are by proxies of the work at the well, which is just pretty much my larger entity just to kind of hold a lot of these collective works. Okay. Um, but it in and of itself, though, is a protocol that is catered specifically to um, the support, the connection, and the arch the the active archive archive and archivism of uh, cultural works. So what we've seen a lot in the space is monocultural consumption, right? We've seen a lot of just straight up, you know, white dudes taking a lot of the lion's share of the conversation. It's right. not like it's the worst thing that's happened, but it does prevent folks from. For cultural folks from having the exposure necessary for their works to be seen, right? Um, if there's only one dominant player uh, uh, that's taking a lot of the value, that's having their work insanely valued, that's having all the media and all the press, that's having all the clubhouse rooms and trying to host them, so on and so forth, it makes it super hard for the rest of us to say, well, we are also re making really high-valued art. Yeah, sucks the oxygen um, it, out of the room. Exactly, and so my 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 
my thought process, my goal here is to leverage both the Mint Fund and Heat as signals and pathways to pull this cultural talent, this culturally rich talent into this well protocol to not only make sure I preserve the works that they're making um, so that it we act not just as kind of like a secondary pinning system for IPFS and Arweave or whatever, but we have a, a fully dedicated uh, uh, group uh, for the active archivism of these works. And that, and that means not just the entities themselves, but the artists, you know, like their, their statement, like their artist statement, kind of what drives them, all these type of things, right? Building a very comprehensive set of artist dossiers, tying that with historical data from another company that I'm working with called One-Off, like we're very good strategic partners um, and bringing a lot of this information and servicing this to collectors who are interested in buying cultural work. Um, so the well acts partially as a directory for all, all artists of culture um, and a path of commerce for them to have their works acquired by collectors. Um, and so essentially, if we think about the, the, the moat, right, Mint Fund is artist development and incubation. Heat is curation um, and the signaling of emerging talent. And the well is the documentation of these other two effects that are happening, plus uh, uh, a commercial element for or a commerce element for collectors to then tap into the work that's being that's happening in these other two places. That's great. I love the way those pieces come together, man. That's awesome. Are are black artists getting a better footing in the NFT world than they do in the regular art world? That's a very good question. That is that's something I'm actively building more metrics on before I before I can make a definitive uh, response to it in aggregate. However, for for black artists that aren't like Kehinde Wiley and um, oh gosh, what the, what's that other guy's name? It just it literally evaded me. But there's a few there's a few folks that are that are very well known, like Hebrew Brantley, so on and so forth, that are really cool in this space. Um, well, not in this space, but the regular traditional art art world, right? Those folks are fine. Right. But when it comes to street artists, when it comes to, you know, folks who are mixed media and will merge things like fashion and relation to, you know, illustration and painting and kind of like this, this very more general fine artist type of personality um, that relies on prints um, and it relies on kind of uh, screen print tees and like, you know, fashion labels to, to build a path of design for themselves. It's NFTs have definitely changed their world for the better. Um, being able to see someone, for example, like Sean Williams uh, or iArt sometimes, right, who started in the scene six months ago and got in the super rare and, you know, was once a intern at Cartoon Network um, and is a very amazing mixed media artist illustrator to then being able to create very compelling works of art, uh, you know, that's allowed him to definitely drastically change his life over the course of these past six months. It's been an amazing thing to watch. That's cool. Um, or another artist, uh, you know, one of my personal friends, um, that I've known for a while, his name is ATM or Dylan ATM on, uh, on Twitter. Um, I got him in in December and before he was trying to work a regular job. And now he's a full-time artist uh, where nice. the work that he's been able to do has definitely changed his life for the better. Um, or other uh, artists that I've been able to onboard uh, who are musicians, uh, for example, um, they, instead of them having to get, 500,000 plays um, to make the same amount of money to make like, let's say like two ETH on a sale. Uh, they've been able to just get a two ETH buy within a few days. 
Nice. And so it completely changes the landscape about how folks value their work, what they're willing to pay for their work, um, and what that means for, uh, uh, you know, how they don't have to rely on traditional models to, to accrue income. Case in point, my brother, for example, uh, on Zora, I had minted a sketch of a song of his. It's, it's not even finished, but it's a very amazing draft of this work. Like, and it just, it still sounds great. Um, and uh, we sold it for about one and a half ETH. Uh, we got an offer in like a day or two after posting it. And my brother's like, this is nuts. At the time, I think that was like 2,600 bucks. And my brother's like, wait, somebody wants to pay... <laughs> $2,600 for this song when if I put this on Spotify, I wouldn't have seen that amount until maybe next year. Right. And he's one like, shot. nobody, exactly. And he's like, nobody knows me. Like I'm not famous or popular really by any means. And yet this has completely changed how I even do song delivery. Yep. And I think that's just super compelling to be able to, to see how the gears start turning once you kind of give them this space and say, here's what's possible. And now it's like, oh, okay, well, if that's the case, well, can I do this? <laughs> well, let's try it and see what happens. Well, what about this? Let's try it and see what happens. Um, and so it, it just, it fosters this really amazing environment of experimentation. And there's um, no, really there's no gatekeepers saying that's not how we do things. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so and I think for people like him and for other artists, especially musicians and, and even filmmakers and photographers, that if you have, you know, the rights and you own all of your, your IP, it's going to be much easier to navigate the space than to try to navigate with IP that you don't own. Um, and so I think it's, it's for, for the indie artist, for the independent illustrator, uh, you know, for the freelancer, um, you know, for the tr like normal, normal, traditional starving artist, this is like, you know, truly a new frontier to explore and, and, and up, you know, and, and change who you are as an artist. Yep. Um, not in your work per se, but of course, how you can monetize from your art and build a, a, a healthy community of supporters that will want to see you grow and will actively be a part of that process, which I think is the other thing. A lot of artists feel like they're alone in their journey of, of, of being better. Right. Um, and, and what better way to have a support system of not just people who are genuinely interested in you, people who genuinely want to work with you, but also people who are going to put their money where their mouth is the ultimate level of endorsement. That's awesome. That's great. So, so you do, I, I mean, I get a real sense that you feel like this is an equalizing force for all artists, but, but it can be, I, I think because it eliminates the gatekeepers and it's permissionless and, and just lets you do what you want to do that it, it does. I think it does level the playing field, which is kind of cliche in, in, in the internet world. But, um, I think there's a big impact there. Are you familiar with, um, there was an article about 1000 true fans. Have, have you read yes. that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that becomes even more the case in this world now, because I think, right. I think sure there was breaking through on the internet, gaining traction on Twitter or wherever and what Instagram, whatever it was that you were trying to do as an artist to get that fan base. But I think this kind of thing, it, it, once somebody has spent money on you and they've collected something of yours, there's now a vested interest in your success and, right. and spreading the word about you and helping you grow that 1,000 true fans to the point where it's almost like this self-fulfilling thing. Because if someone's Absolutely. collected something you've done, they want to make sure that that value increases. So um, I, think that I, I think that we're going to see some real transformation in this world. I'm excited. Same here. I mean, it's one of those things where like on Instagram, I've always seen the complaint of people saying, or even on Facebook, like, oh, this person grabbed my work and they didn't credit me, so on and so forth. But when you buy somebody's work in this space, like it's almost automatic where people are feeling like, I'm going to brag about the fact that I just bought this thing from this person. Yeah. It's such a fundamental shift um, and even how people handle and deal with other creative property because they know in this space, 
you have to pay to 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 participate and have the benefit of that. Now you can still share somebody's work, of course, if you really like it, but there's something about the ownership of that thing, right? That that gives you much more of this empowered sense to do more, right? Yep. You're compelled to action, as you said. And I think that's the one of the the more unprecedented features of of this space. Um, it's almost like when you go to a flea market and you buy something from an artist, it's a one-time exchange. You may not necessarily be completely interested in keeping up with that artist, uh, but it's it's much more passive. But in this space, it almost like pushes you to be a lot more active and and the rallying for others to be interested in the work so that you can not only uh, 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 push and and get this get come up, get across the idea that what you got was valuable um but also creates a sustaining value over time because it's like it's one of those things where like you don't want to buy a thing just for the sole purpose of pumping it but what you, but you do want to buy something because you genuinely like it and because you like it and you like the person that's made that piece you're feeling like i want everybody to pay attention to this artist mainly because of the fact of not just what they made, but how they made me feel after buying it. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think it's 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 like those emotional uh, beads that are going to be very important uh, for creating the uh, the next stage of how we value items or collectibles or art pieces or experiences um, in the future. I, I totally agree. And I think it builds a connection to between artist and collector that didn't really exist as much before. Right. I mean, right. it did, but not not to this level. I, I think it's an amazing time. All right. Um, one last question. Who do you think is the most brilliant or important person in the NFT space? Oof. Oh, that's a good question. Wow. Wow. That's a really good question. I'm going to really have to noodle on that. <laughs> I mean, there are people that I've been, that I've been watching a lot. Um, oh, wow. Most important. Wow. That's heavy. Like in a good way, but it's heavy. Um, right. You know what I, what I will say is that one of the people that has, been a very good supporter of what I've been doing um, and a very good advocate within this space wholeheartedly has to be Lady Phoenix. Um, I think she's definitely one of the most impactful and important, not only because of the fact that she was able to broker, you know, bringing the Titans like people and bringing, um, you know, uh, folks like uh, uh, PlayStation and Thelonious Monk, for instance, right? Right. Uh, being able to have like the oldest ancestor, <laughs> right, to, to mint an NFT in this space, I think is insanely powerful. And uh, unfortunately, it's a very slept on uh, NFT release that a lot of people didn't take stock into. Um, but it's definitely one of the most important things because it's it talks about archivism and the preservation of 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 culture uh that can you know that hopefully we want to still have for when those who come after us uh you know can learn from um and so i think we're gonna we're gonna start to really see a lot of that type of work happen especially in next year and i know i'm going to be doing a whole lot of that work too um and so i i think because of the fact that She's always been very forward in and 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 advocating for digital art to have real value. That to arrive in this space now and see it blow up to this to the to the level in which it, it has so far is is super amazing. Um, so I would probably say say her if I had to pick somebody um, very very important that I think is one of the most important people in the space. It would definitely be her by a mile, and then. I would start to include some other folks. That's cool. I love that. Um, what's the best place for people to reach out to you? 
Twitter is honestly the fastest. Uh, okay. At Sir Suhabe. That would be the best way to get at me. They can go there. They can click through to all your projects and your profile, see your work, Absolutely. the whole bit. Yep. Yeah. My bio should have the link to my, yep. Yep. It has a link to my website. Cool. I'm sursu.com slash crypto media, which has all of my one of one NFTs awesome. as, as well as my regular just artwork on there. And then of course it also has all of my ads. So you can find my esports team. You can find my, you can find the mint fund. You can find heat check me. Um, and of course everything that I'm doing at the well is all there. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much for being on, but more importantly, thank you for everything you're doing for the ecosystem. I'm, I'm really blown away. I'm going to keep a close eye on what you're doing and, and I'd like to circle back with you later and, and see how all these projects are going and see if you found a few more hours in the day. <laughs> that would be great. Thank you for the check-in. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm super stoked. I'm, I'm grateful to have this talk. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Um, let me know if there's anything I can do to help whatever you guys are doing as well. I would love to assist. Did I tell you he was great? Did I tell you he was a force? I hope you got as much out of this as I did. And I hope you'll head over to his Twitter profile right now. Check out Sirsu and give him a hand because it's people like this that are going to make this ecosystem a success. If you want to learn more about Doki, please check us out at dokidoki.finance or dagacha.com. Our machines are selling out like crazy and we're doing everything we can to advance the ecosystem as well. Thanks for listening again. Can't wait to see you next time.